Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. And on today's episode, I'm going to speak from a personal experience over the last couple of weeks of quarantine. And that was for me, just in this mundane routine that I was facing, Satan was popping his ugly head up and just telling me these lies of no self-worth, no value. I had nothing to offer at the table. And that is something that Satan, you know, that was a narrative that Satan had used in my life years and years ago. And he was using this moment of stillness to pop up his ugly lies in my life. And maybe you find the same thing, that in a time that can be very fearful of uncertainty that this world, this country, your family are facing right now, that Satan is telling you lies. But I want to remind you that Jesus comes where you are. And on today's episode, I want to encourage you not to miss those moments with Jesus. I believe we have probably all lost track of the days we're in. I know I personally have no idea of what day this is in quarantine. For some, we feel like we've probably have stepped into the movie Groundhog Day. I know I've seen a lot of those memes and have loved them. And we're living the same day over and over. And for others, this might have been an extremely busy and stressful time for you, more than normal because you've taken on roles of like a school teacher and teaching your children. Your dining room table has become like a 24-hour-a-day feeding trough for your children. Your dining room table has become a classroom. It has become your workspace and your office. For some of you, you've been um, maybe let go from your job, and you are worried and scared of how you're going to provide for your family and maybe how you're going to keep your small business or your family business afloat. Maybe you've been figuring out this unemployment system and the small business loans, and that has taken up the majority of your days recently. You know, I heard someone say the other day, although we're all in the same boat together in this storm we are facing, we're just not in the same kind of boat. You know, there's some people who might right now be in a canoe with a hole in it, while others might be on a yacht facing the storm. We all are facing different challenges in this world together. And yes, each of us has our own challenges. They're just different kinds of challenges. And that we've, in my family, we've had our own challenges over the last month. For the most part, I believe as a family unit, we've been doing pretty great. However, to be honest, I would say over the last week, I hit a wall. And, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. My grandmother used to have that sign. And I felt kind of guilty at first because I hit a wall, maybe an emotional wall. And that I could see that just trickle down to my children and into my husband. We were not being patient with one another. We weren't loving. We weren't being uh, kind. We were speaking harshly. And I started yelling at my kids for yelling. And I started laughing. I said, I wonder where they got that from. You know, it's just the excitement of quarantine, which brought on like family game nights at first, new recipes try, time to read unread books, um, you know, and we had time to check off things off our to-do list at home that we've never had time to do. 
But all of that excitement has seemed just to worn off by this point. And I remember one morning I woke up, it was probably the day before Easter and around Easter, I woke up feeling emotional, uh, a little bit tender. I couldn't really explain it for the lack of better word. And I think according to what I've seen on social media, a lot of people have kind of hit that wall, maybe a little bit of an emotional wall. Um, Maybe for the lack of better word, I was talking to a friend, it was grieving. Um, You're grieving over the numbers of uh, the death numbers rising in this country, grieving over the economy. Maybe it was just like the nastiness of politics that day that I was continuing to see when you're seeing like humanity come together and neighbors being neighbors and being compassionate and all these beautiful stories coming out. But you still continue to see the nastiness of politics in Washington and everybody's just tired of it. Um, It was the unemployment numbers were rising. And I was also just sad. I heard people talking about this new normal, especially as we move forward, this new normal of what our culture and society will look like. So I was just like really tender and emotional, and I couldn't explain it. And a couple of friends I talked to, they felt the same thing. But especially on Easter, I couldn't stop crying on Easter. You know, I was watching Fox News, getting ready to watch my dad's special from Central Park. And Chris Tomlin was on before singing about a good, good father. And at that moment, I just started crying. You know, and then before my dad spoke, it was Michael W. Smith singing Sovereign Over Us. And for me, that song has been on repeat in this household. And I encourage you just, if you haven't heard it, look it up. And my little girl now just sings it at the top of her lungs when I start playing it. But it reminds me that there's strength within the sorrow. There's beauty in our tears. And you, speaking of God, meets us in our mourning with a love that casts out fear. You are working in our waiting. You're sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You are with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. And just those words filling my house and reminding us in those moments of like just kind of emotional and tenderness that God is sovereign over all of this and everything that we're seeing. And I shared with you, I had the opportunity uh, to watch Michael sing that song in Central Park, and then to have the opportunity to see my dad give the gospel in Central Park, which I had early memories of my grandfather's crusade back in 1991. So I think it was that day that the tears just started, and for about a week, they couldn't stop. So yes, there have been difficult days for my family. I know everybody has faced difficult days, and each of us, those days look different. But there's also been some really good days. There's been sweet and tender moments. There have been quiet moments just before the Lord. And although I believe we all want to get back to work and we want to get back to normal, there will actually be things I miss about quarantine life. And I'll actually miss all the hilarious memes which have come out of this. I can't stop laughing. Probably the memes have been my favorite thing. If you have some of your favorite memes, send them to me via Instagram. I would love to see them. I will definitely miss the memes. But I'll also miss the sweet moments I've had with the Lord. You know, I think God even stripped us of all of our worship, that worship has become simplified. Just, you know, for me, it's in my home early in the mornings before my children rise. My worship and study has been slowed down. I've been very more intentional reading and slowing down what I'm reading. I'll also miss seeing all the 
wonderful stories of humanity. Like I said earlier, neighbor being neighbors and communities coming up and rising, helping one another. It's It's been beautiful. You know, and I'll miss the stories that you see on Facebook and on social media. And I read something the other day, and I'm not sure where it originated. I saw somebody else post it. And it kind of talked about the struggle of a mother at home during this time. I won't read all of it, but it talked about in Scripture where we see men always have these great spiritual moments that they have times to go up the mountains to have time with the Lord. And you're kind of wondering, you know, as women, we're busy, right? We're at home taking care of life, taking care of the kids, feeding our kids and planting our gardens or having our jobs that we don't often get that moment on a mountain just with God. We don't get that mountain experience. We can kind of get caught up in the mundane routine of life. And what I read, it reminded people who are reading that God comes to women, Men have to climb the mountain to meet God, but in scriptures, God comes to women where they are. And I know I have men and women listening. I'm going to assume I probably have the majority of women, Um, but even whether you're at the mountaintop or not, we've all been stuck at home a little bit in the mundane routine of life. And some of you might be wondering, where's this moment with God? I'm, I'm still so busy. I haven't had time with the Lord. And whether we're in this chapter of our lives of where we are and not you're a man or a woman, whoever's listening, you're not able to get to that mountaintop, but that God meets us where we are, especially for women. We saw in scripture, you know, he met women at the well. He even met Mary at the empty tomb. And we're gonna talk about that. You know, he met them uh, beside their sick beds that God is to meet us where we are. And after I read this online, it reminded me of something I had written years ago. It's probably been 12 years ago that I wrote it and I uh, spent a couple conferences speaking about it. But there was a time in my life, and I might've shared this on a previous episode of Fearless. There was a time in my life I really struggled kind of with my identity. I was trying to, I was struggling with my self-worth of what I was good at. What could I provide? What could I do for the Lord? I've often teased that I went from being Franklin Graham's daughter, you know, Billy Graham's granddaughter, Franklin Graham's daughter, to Corey Lynch's wife. And at the time period when I wrote this, I was, I should say, just an NFL wife. My husband had um, his NFL career. He was in the spotlight. And I was at home, I didn't have a job, and I was really just struggling. What do I offer? You know, I, I didn't, where were my talents? You know, I'm surrounded by this family of very successful uh, Bible teachers and authors and writers and speakers, and I couldn't figure that out. And I kind of felt like, Lord, where are you in my life? And what am I to do with my life for you? And some of you guys might be struggling with that. And to be honest, during this time of kind of quietness and stillness where I couldn't travel, I couldn't really fully do my job, I won't go into all the details of that, but you know, I live in Florida. I often travel for my job. I have to travel to North Carolina to Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I haven't been able to do that. I haven't been able to be in the office. I um, couldn't do my job fully. I was feeling guilty of that and really struggling just spending my days 
cooking and cleaning over and over, just this mundane routine that I became in. And I just want to make one thing clear as we move forward in this narrative that Satan uses in my life that I have no value and I have no worth during this time period, just as he did when I was in my early 20s, that I know and I recognize that that's a lie, that my children are my first priority, and I'm thankful for that. Um, there have been times in recent history that I've turned down jobs because I think they would take me away from my children too much. They are my number one priority. So for many of you after this, you're not going back to work or traveling and doing other things like I will be doing. You'll still be maybe in this routine of a stay-at-home mom. And I want to encourage you that don't allow Satan to tell you that that's not of worth and of value. As parents and as moms, that's our greatest treasure. And I know it can be very difficult when you're picking up laundry for the 50th time and you're doing the dishes and you're picking, taking kids to school early in the morning and picking them up in the afternoon in this mundane routine, that there's great value, that God will honor you for raising children in a way that's honoring to Him, raising children that will love Him and fear Him, that He will honor you for that. So don't allow Satan, if maybe he uses that narrative in your life like he does mine, don't allow him to tell you those lies. It is a special gift that we get to spend. I've enjoyed this time with my children, this extra time that I get to be with them and have morning routines with them and be able to do their devotions. It's been really sweet, and I will miss that, and I will treasure this time. So moms— Just remember, there is absolutely no truth when that voice pops up and tells you you have no value today in the work that you're doing around the house. It's a lie. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Children are not a distraction for more important work. They are the most important work. And today I want to read out of John chapter 20. And Mary Magdalene, and she sees the risen Lord. And we just celebrated Easter And so, why not continue with the story of Easter? You know, that first Easter morning. And here was Mary. In the last episode, I talked about the women, the women who followed Jesus to the very end. You know, women, they couldn't stand before the Sanhedrin. They couldn't testify before the Lord. There was really nothing that they could do to save the man that they loved. They had no power nor the respect in their society to do anything. But what they could do was stand by Jesus' side. And we mentioned that, that they stayed with him till the very end. They stayed at the foot of the cross and they followed him to the tomb and they were preparing spices for his body. And Mary that morning, she was probably, or she wasn't probably, she was taking the spices for his body that she had prepared. As a woman, she did what she could do. And it's starting uh, chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And I want to remind you, in those moments where you might seem helpless, maybe you seem hopeless, and you're kind of wondering, what do I have to offer in this uh, mundane routine that I'm kind of stuck in? What can I do? Mary Magdalene, I'm sure, after she saw the man that she loved, Jesus, the King of Kings, and she saw him crucified, that she felt sad, helpless, nothing that she could do. But she didn't not do anything. She still did the things that she was supposed to do, like preparing the spices. And I look at those moments of how Jesus honored her. What an honor to be the first person to see the resurrected Lord. What a precious moment there in that garden to have face to face. But she was weeping. And Jesus said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And are there moments right now that you're weeping and you're crying? And Jesus is there because we know Jesus meets us where we are. And are you weeping to where you cannot recognize Jesus before you? She didn't recognize Jesus, but he called her by name. You're listening right now, and I want you to know that Jesus knows you by name. And he's calling you in the simplicity of the worship of your home. He's there with you. He has not forsaken you. He's there and he's calling you by name. And he said, Mary. And she turned and she said to him, teacher. So do not dwell in this time of what you can't do, but focus on what you can do because you might be missing out on some divine moments with Jesus. During this time, where's your focus? What are you missing out because you're focused on the wrong thing? With this time at home, are you? Like, do a self-evaluation. Are you focused on all the negativity and the complaining and the wrong thing and, you know, the daily news briefings we're getting and the daily news that we read? It can just be so daunting. Are you spending time crying and complaining that Jesus is right there in front of you, calling you by name? But I'm asking you, do not miss Jesus calling you during this unusual time we're facing because you're crying on things that you cannot control. Now, please don't misunderstand me. We all have moments of grieving. We have to grieve. We're supposed to grieve. There are moments for us to shed tears. But at some point, and very quickly, the grieving has to come to an end. And we have to be able to stand strong and move forward. Remember from my last podcast, especially when I was talking to women, we are called to be strong and brave and have courage. So after those moments of grieving, stand strong and have courage. And during this time, whether you're scared about your health, you're lonely, you're fearful of your financial issues that you're facing, you're nervous about the economy— or you're at home and you're stuck in this routine that never seems to end, or finding yourself being a school teacher for the first time, remember that these are perfect times for Satan to come in and plant his seeds and his lies of destruction. And in this you know, situation that we're facing as a world, 
and we're lonely and we're scared, those seeds, if you allow Satan to plant them, those seeds will grow so quickly to be like a jungle in your heart and they will strangle you. So you have to be able to recognize when Satan pops up his ugly head and do not let him. You know, I had to recognize him last week when he was planting those seeds of doubt that I wasn't uh, worthy, that I wasn't bringing anything to the table. I was kind of just stuck in this routine and I was being negative and complaining in my heart. I had to recognize that and put it to an end. And as we've learned here on Fearless, and as I've encouraged you in the past, there's only one way to defeat Satan and his lies, and that's God's Word. It's as I said in Daniel, uh, I think on my last podcast, is that those who know their God will be able to stand strong and take action. It's knowing who God is and knowing His Word, which will give you a sound mind and not a mind of fear during this time. As we close, I wanted to give you an update of the work of Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I get asked all the questions quite often, and I wanted to give you an update. Note, for most of you listening, you know that Samaritan's Purse has a field hospital in New York City and in Northern Italy right now. And in New York City, we have seen over 150 patients treated and 64 discharged. And our BGA chaplains, our rapid response team, they have prayed with over 840 people. There have been four salvations and one rededication. And in Italy, we have five of our chaplains there, and they've prayed with over 860 people. There's been 14 salvations and five rededications. And I want to thank you for those who've been praying and maybe those who have given, who have made this work possible for our teams to be on the front lines. You know, my dad always taught me that you have to go to the trenches. You have to go to the storms of life of where people are, and you have to show them love and compassion. And our team is doing that, and they're doing such a beautiful way. I Once again, I get tender and emotional when I think about what our team is facing up there, and I want to thank you for all those who've prayed. There's a story that came out of New York, and it was the first patient, which was uh, discharged. She had arrived at nighttime, and when she arrived, she was so frightened. But she said as soon as she entered our tent, she felt at home. She told us she had never felt so much compassion and love. She was so thankful and felt like her life had been saved. And another man said that he didn't want to leave because he had never been so loved as he was there in the hospital. And I think of New York City and the last few times I've visited over the last couple of years, I think when I walk down the street, people don't smile at one another. People don't, aren't kind and they, you know, they don't just strike up conversations with strangers. And you think of these people entering our hospital in Central Park, scared, thinking they might lose their life, and they've never seen these people. Their families can't go in with them. But our nurses and our doctors are there showing them love and compassion, and so many are saying they've never felt so much love. And our chaplains are on the other side of the fence praying with some of their loved ones and praying with people who are coming by on the street. And I want to say thank you for everybody that has made that possible. And I want to remind you that there's a 24-7 prayer line at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. 
If you're feeling scared, if you're feeling lonely, you just need somebody to talk with or to pray with, that number is 1-888-388-2683. And somebody for our team will pray with you and spend time talking. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Fearless. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. I'm